you're listening to Talk Cricket, the social justice and comedy podcast where two friends laugh, cry, and rage about an unspeakable subject. While enjoying adult beverages. My name is Kay. I'm Carrie. And we both still feel <laughs> like shit. So, <laughs> my Believe adult beverage not, is water. Is a- <laughs> For you guys, it's a week later. For us, it's the literal next day. <laughs> <coughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, man. Well, yeah, we're drinking water. Yeah. That's our adult beverage of choice at the moment. Because Kentucky is a swamp, mm-hmm. and it's a million degrees. Mm-hmm. I walked outside oh, for, goodness. like, one minute this morning, and I was like, nope. I have been traveling all day today. I had a doctor's appointment this morning. Then I had to go meet with my with the people at my new job. Then I had to go pick up Hammy from the vet. It. I have been all over the place today. Oh, I have been sweating in places I didn't know I could sweat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! And it is a thousand degrees. Mm-hmm. I feel like I got sunburned just from, like, I don't know, just being outside for five seconds. Yeah. Well, thank you for the kisses, kitty. I have both of my animals in here with me, so we'll see (laughs) how this goes. Because Hammy can't be unsupervised because he got stitches. Poor little buddy. I have Rocky right next to me. I've had him in here for a little while, though. He's been really good about not, like, making noise while we're recording. But even if he did, it would be the sweetest thing ever. It would just be little squeaky squeaks. Little piggy squeaks. He was talking up a storm last night. I think he thought he had gotten out of taking his medicine. Oh. (laughs) And I was like, And he didn't. He did not. (laughs) It took ten minutes to get it down his throat. Buddy, <laughs> we've both got infirmed animals at the moment. Do not lick your tail. <laughs> I saw you. Sorry, guys, that might happen throughout the episode. My poor dog had to get his teeth cleaned, and he had to get some, like, growth places removed. And one of them is right at the base of his tail. And so it's really hard for him to get comfortable, and he keeps wanting to lick it. But he can't lick his stitches. Mm-hmm. I gave him a couple of calming treats to try and get him to quit, but they haven't kicked in yet, so <laughs> he has to be supervised. Poor little buddy. He's literally just watching the cat lick her own ass, <laughs> so it's not <laughs> it's not ideal, but oh goodness. And she like, gets exactly in there. What I want to do. <laughs> huh? Sudden she gets in there. She does. She gets in there. She's giving herself a bath. Silly girl. You guys know that I just cleaned this bed, right? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're both here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, we don't have a lot to catch up on, so. Because <laughs> no. it's been a day. They just, okay, so today's the 9th. They just, the governor just issued a mask mandate for our state. 
I didn't, Thank goodness. Yeah, I didn't know if he did or not. It starts at 5 p.m. tomorrow. You have to have a mask on if you're in public. Awesome. Yep. Or if, unless you're, like, inside and around your immediate family. And that's <laughs> yeah. it. Kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I was already taking my mask with me when Hammy and I go for walks in case somebody walks past us because nobody's obeying anything where I am. Yeah. So, I always pull it out and put it on and... <laughs> I look like a freak, but whatever, I'm not sick, so... <laughs> yeah, same. I wear my mask all the time. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, this week, (laughs) we are talking about anorexia, Anorexia. which is really fun. What? (laughs) I was being sarcastic. Okay. I was like, um, no. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) Ooh, sorry, I had to turn on my ceiling fan because my poor puppy's panting. You're okay. Yeah, my uh, dog has decided to join me and is just sitting here looking at me while panting. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Not sure what that's accomplishing. I don't know that's either. Funny. At least she's not barking at me like she was a minute ago. So Fair. Fair. Um, that was not an invitation. Can I get babies? I know. All right. Well, um, so this is a topic that's very interesting. Um, I think the last one we did was binge eating or overeating. Binging. It's been a while since we've done a, done an eating disorder episode. So, um. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive in. So I actually have, um, I have a, I I know someone who has suffered from anorexia. Um, it's a very serious and debilitating disorder. Um, she of course doesn't suffer from it anymore, but she does still have a lot of, I guess, baggage from it. She still has, you know, crippling, uh, crippling body dysmorphia and, Mm-hmm. A lot of anxiety because, of course, as we talked about in our previous episode about eating disorders, a lot of eating disorders are tied to control and anore- and um, anxiety and OCD and things like that. So and this is definitely no exception. Um, I don't know. Do you know anybody? Or Actually, I'm definitely I don't. not going to name names. But, yeah. No, I don't. Um, I, my roommate in college, I had a roommate whose mom... Um, whose mom suffered from it, actually ended up having to go to a rehab facility oh. because of it. Um, it was as a result of her divorce. Oh. So, yeah, it's it's not great, um, and it is definitely real. <laughs> That's the other thing. Um, so let's jump in. Um, I basically, I, again, just wanted to keep it simple because I'm not a fucking doctor. So, um... <laughs> Most of this is from the Mayo Clinic. And um, so anorexia, 
nervosa, often simply just anorexia, is an eating disorder characterized by an abnormally low body weight, an intense fear of gaining weight, and a distorted perception of weight. That's the big one right there, is having a distorted perception of weight. Um, People with anorexia place high value on controlling their weight and shape using extreme efforts that tend to significantly interfere with their lives. Um, (coughs) There's also a really good movie on netflix mm-hmm. let me find it i want to find what it's called um that i watched uh not too long ago actually probably towards the beginning of quarantine um it's upsetting but it's very good um let me see uh what's that actress's name uh the one the actress from lily collins there it is Lily Collins plays the main girl, the main character, and Keanu Reeves is in it because he's amazing. Let's see, what was it called? I think she actually lost all that weight too. She worked with a dietitian to the bone, oh. is what it's called. Um, it's really, really good. So you can definitely, if you want to see firsthand what something like that is like and also see someone whose family isn't necessarily great at being supportive (laughs) of it um you can definitely check that movie out it's fantastic um so let's see here so to prevent weight gain or to continue losing weight people with anorexia usually severely restrict the amount of food that they eat um they may control calorie calorie intake by vomiting after eating or by misusing laxative diet aids diuretics and enemas Um, and they may also try to lose weight by exercising excessively that was one that was definitely portrayed in the movie Mm -hmm. Um, she was obsessively doing sit-ups like compulsively doing sit-ups like in bed and stuff and she also um like knew the exact caloric value of everything that was on her plate like, without even trying. Like, she was having her sister quiz her. Yeah. At one point. <laughs> oh. Um, so then you know exactly how many sit-ups you need to do to get rid of the green bean that you ate. So she would eat, like, one bite of everything and then just kind of mix things around so it looked like she ate. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, she wasn't fooling anyone because her whole family knew that she had it. I mean, it's not... Her whole family knew. Yeah. So it's not like it was, it was just kind of like junky habits, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm trying to see what else. So then the other thing was that, she, I mean, it, sometimes you eat a little bit and then sometimes you don't. There was at one point they went to a, um, one of the guys that she was in rehab with got a, like a pass like he had earned a certain amount of points or something like that so he could go to a restaurant and he could take mm-hmm. a friend so he took her and she was like i'm not going to order anything and he was like well you don't have he was like you don't have to eat with me like it's fine and so she ordered food and so what she would do because of course you miss the taste of food so she would put food in her mouth and chew it and then spit it into a napkin oh which is disgusting yeah and- <laughs> Also, just so, so sad because she just, she, she could eat it and she enjoyed the taste, but she couldn't swallow. She couldn't let herself swallow. Um, but no matter how much weight is lost, the person continues to, 
com- to fear weight gain. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily about trying to look like a model or anything like that. It's about control. Um, that's what this just says. Is anorexia isn't really about food. It's an extremely unhealthy and sometimes life-threatening way to cope with emotional problems. Um, when you have anorexia, you often... See, Hamlet, stop! I saw you. Mm-hmm. You cannot lick your stitches, baby. Go to sleep. Um, so, uh, did you, burp, burp, lost my place. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so when you have anorexia, you often equate thinness with self-worth. Um, but like other eating disorders, it can take over your entire life and be very difficult to overcome. But of course, with treatment, there's always, <laughs> there's always, uh, eating disorders are very treatable. So, um, with treatment, you can gain a better sense of who you are, return to healthier eating habits, it, and reverse some of anorexia's serious complications. So, um, I believe Georgia from How I Met Your Mother, not How I Met Your Mother, from My Favorite Murder <laughs> had anorexia. And so, like, her lingering her lingering thing from it is that she, like, can't chew in silence. So, like, at dinner parties and stuff, she, like, compulsively talks. Uh-huh. Because she can't just, like, sit and ch- listen to herself chew. Oh. And, like, when she eats... And, like, when she's at home and stuff, she, like, has to have on the TV or something so that she can distract herself. Yeah. Because she can't listen. She can't listen to the sound of herself chewing. Um, and, like I said, my friend who had it has still... Uh, of course, she didn't go and get... Um, I don't believe she went to rehab or got actual therapeutic help, um, which she should have. Mm-hmm. Um, but... <clears throat> I've been encouraging her to go to therapy for a long time, <laughs> but um, she she definitely still has the really bad body dysmorphia. She just uh, and severe severe anxiety. So um, it's definitely worth getting really really good help so that you can learn tools and so that you can start to um, you know move move past that self worth problem. Mm-hmm. Um. I know this is hilarious. This is exactly what everyone signed up for in a comedy podcast. Um, All right. So here's some symptoms. So the physical signs and symptoms of anorexic. I mean, you guys, I was asked if I was anorexic all the time growing up. I did not look at all anorexic. If you look at pictures of people with anorexia, you can tell. Like, it's basically, I mean... Or at least extreme anorexia. It's, it, it's, it, during the movie, she kept putting her, she kept wrapping her, um, her hand around her upper arm and then making her middle finger and thumb touch. That was like her, her comfort thing of like, okay, I'm still skinny enough. If that makes sense. Like try and do that. You cannot make that touch on your upper arm. (laughs) yeah no put like make that make that circle with your finger and thumb with your middle finger and thumb that's how skinny her upper arm was so that's not just someone who's thin and it's actually super rude to go up to someone who's just thin and ask them if they (laughs) just ask them if they have anorexia or call them anorexic as a joke yeah, because you're not super trying mean. to help them. You're just being an asshole. 
No, that's just being super mean. Um, so, um, so anorexia also also includes emotional and behavior behavioral issues involving an unrealistic perception of body weight and an extremely strong fear of gaining weight or becoming fat. Um, but that's not really always what it's about. So, um, I think we'll get into that in just a second. So it may be difficult to notice signs and symptoms because what is considered a low body weight is different for each person. So, um, some individuals may not appear extremely thin and also people with anorexia often disguise their thinness, eating habits or physical problems. So like a lot of times people, uh, with this disorder will wear like big baggy clothes to try and like kind of cover it up. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, they also, oh man, this was crazy. I didn't know that this happens, but you, you get like really hairy. Oh. Because your your body is trying to like keep itself warm. So like she her arm hair was like really thick and long mm. and stuff. Because your body's trying to keep itself warm. <laughs> um, so that's a sign. And, um, <clears throat> you know, just people who kind of like keep talking throughout the meal and don't necessarily put a whole lot in their mouth and then just kind of mix their food around on the plate. Um, And of course, you know, if you're not eating, you're not getting nutrients, which means that you're probably going to pass out and have low blood sugar, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So um, anyway, so let's, let's get into, let's get into some of the symptoms. So um, some of these are a lot just so everyone knows. So trigger warning. Um, So extreme weight loss or not making expected developmental weight gains. So that um, that would be like if you're a teenager and you're supposed to be hitting certain milestones kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like when you're growing. Um, thin appearance, of course. <laughs> um, abnormal blood counts. Not sure what that means, but I'm sure it does something to your blood. To your blood cell count or whatever. Um fatigue because you have no fuel insomnia because you have no fuel (laughs) so you're tired and you can't sleep because who can sleep when you're starving yeah not me um dizziness or fainting because again you have no fuel in your system and by the way anorexia doesn't just mean i I hope that i was clear about this that this doesn't just mean that you're not eating at all um i've heard where some people like they'll I think it's Devil Wears Prada or Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt's character, she's uh, she's trying to lose weight for the Paris trip or whatever. And she's like, oh, I'm on this new diet. It's very effective. So um, I, 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 eat, I don't eat anything. <laughs> and then when I feel like I'm about to faint, I eat a cube of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and Anne Hathaway is just like, uh-huh. uh-huh you, look, you look great. <laughs> she, but she makes this face. She's like, "You're so skinny! Oh my god!" Like, <laughs> God, that's such a good movie. I need to watch that again. Um. Okay. Lost my place. Okay. A uh, bluish discoloration of the fingers. That one I didn't know, and I'm not sure what that would be. It's probably because your circulation is bad. Yeah. Um. Hair that thins, breaks, or falls out, because, again, you d- you're not getting enough nutrients. Um, and here it is, soft, downy hair covering the body, because, again, your hair, your your body's trying to keep itself warm, and there's no fat to keep it 
to keep your body temperature regulated. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's another one is absence of menstruation. So because you don't have enough nutrients in your body, everything kind of starts to shut down down there. Mm -hmm. Um, Constipation and abdominal pain, of course. Um, No fiber equals no poops. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Dry or yellowish skin, intolerance of cold, irregular heart rhythms, low blood pressure, dehydration, swelling of the arms or legs, and then eroded teeth and calluses on the knuckles from induced vomiting Mm -hmm. if they're if they're purging not everyone with anorexia purges um but of course if you go and you eat i think she uh ate like a cookie or something like that and everyone got really excited and then she went upstairs and made herself throw it up oh and then did like 200 push-ups or 200 sit-ups um I mean, it's a form of self-harm. This is an extreme form of self-harm. Um, and we both know that that comes from something much deeper. Yeah. So um, it says, and here again is what I just said, that some people with anorexia binge and purge, similar to bulimia, but people with anorexia generally struggle with an abnormally low body weight, while individuals with bulimia are typically normal to above normal weight because they're still eating. Mm-hmm. Um. That's the frustrating thing with bulimia is that it's not effective. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um... <clears throat> All right. So, let's talk about some of the emotional and behavioral symptoms. Um, I apologize, you guys. My child is really hurting me up in my lungs right now. So, bear with me. <laughs> um, so, some behavioral symptoms may include attempts to lose weight by, of course, fasting or crash dieting, um, excessive exercising, binging, purging, uh, enemas, all that stuff, herbal products. That's what we talked about a minute ago. But um, emotional and behavioral signs. So this is going to be like a preoccupation with food. Um, Sometimes includes cooking elaborate meals for others and then not eating any of it. Mm -hmm. Never heard of that, but that's interesting. Um, kind of like putting on a show, um, frequently skipping meals or refusing to eat, denial of hunger or making excuses for not eating, um, eating only a few certain safe foods, usually those low in fat and calories. So like, you know, that cube of cheese or like one wheat thin, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, adopting rigid meal or eating rituals, such as spitting food out after chewing. See? Just like she did in the movie. Yeah. Um, not wanting to eat in public. That was the other thing. Is she was like, no, I don't eat in public. And he was like, no, you're with me. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't count. Um, so then she was comfortable and then she just could just lean into her habit. And it was very eye-opening. Um, lying about how much food you've eaten. Fear of gaining weight that may include repeatedly weighing or measuring yourself. So that's, again, like that little safe thing she was doing where she was... Measuring the top of her arm with her finger and thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, frequent checking in the mirror for perceived flaws. Complaining about being fat or having parts of the body that are fat. Um, covering up in layers. Flat mood. Lack of emotion. Because, of course, you have no energy. Um, social social withdrawal. Irritability. Insomnia. And reduced interest in sex. Because your body's just not getting what it needs. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. So, this can be genetic, it can, but generally it, it, I don't know, I would say the only thing that's genetic really about it is the, the psychological root, if that makes sense. You know, because, I mean, anxiety can run in a family, mm-hmm. for example. Depression, all, mental illness we know can be genetic. So, um, Mine is, for sure. Yeah, mine too, for sure. Um, So the big issue is that, unfortunately, many people with anorexia don't want treatment because there's a lot of shame around it. Um, Especially, like, initially, it's really, really hard to take that step and and admit that you have a problem. Um, So their desire to remain thin overrides the concerns about their health. And, of course, they know that if they go get help, they'll have to eat. Yeah. Is the other thing. And you'll gain weight. Um, Let's see. So. um, It's very. So anorexia is of course more common in girls and women. But boys and men have increasingly developed eating disorders. Possibly related to growing social pressures. It's actually really common in the gay community. Mm -hmm. The gay men community. Um, It's also more common among teenagers when you're obsessed with your body because it's changing and it's crazy and you feel like a freak. Um, But a lot of pressure, there's a lot of pressure in the, uh, in the, the gay male community to look really good Mm -hmm. all the time. And so a lot of guys put a, put a lot of pressure on themselves there. Um, I think the guy that was in the rehab center in the movie was a dancer. So that definitely put a lot of pressure on him and I think the push that he had was I think he broke his ankle or something like that so his career I mean that's jeopardizing your career now yeah because your bones get brittle because you're not getting any calcium you're not getting anything that fortifies your system at all so it's um it definitely especially in areas in professions and in communities that tend to be more appearance driven it can it can start to, now not not that everyone that's in those industries suffers from this that's of course not true mm-hmm. but people who have the right puzzle pieces you know what i'm saying this is that whole nature and nurture thing the people that in a certain circumstance have the right puzzle pieces misaligned in their in their in their minds this can be the that can be the perfect petri dish for this to to grow yeah um so Oh, goodness gracious. Um, So, people of any age, of course, can develop this eating disorder. Like I said, my friend's mom developed it after she had it, um, after she divorced her husband. It was a bad divorce. I actually don't think my friend talks to her father anymore over it. Oh, wow. Um, And it, yeah, it, it triggered this in her. And so, she actually ended up having to go to rehab, which was good. Thankfully, her, her, her kids made her go. Um... And she's okay now, but it, it's definitely something that can be triggered by outside outside forces, for sure. Um, let's see. It just gets really repetitive, sorry. That's no, okay. <laughs> um, so certain factors that increase the risk, like I said, was transitions. So like a new school, a new home, new job, relationship breakup, death or illness of a loved one, um, ch- 
change can bring emotional stress and increase the risk of anorexia. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's definitely something that lines up with me. I mean, I get so anxious every time there's a big change coming. What about you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I I hate I mean, change, it's like crippling. So it's really, it gets really, really hard for me, like to the point that I get sick mm-hmm. when I have to change. Yeah, me too. Things. Right. Well, and it, it's to the point where both of us get stuck in jobs that we hate mm-hmm. and then we're too scared to leave because we're stuck because, yeah, it sucks, but it's familiar, mm-hmm. you know? And thankfully, we've both overcome that now. We both have new jobs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're both out of bad situations and have new jobs. Yes. And um, woot woot. We're very, very lucky because a lot of people have lost their jobs during this time. And we've thankfully found places that are hiring and that are not terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Um, I was but yeah, getting kind of desperate. Is a big one. <laughs> oh, I know. Right. <laughs> Stripping okay. was becoming a viable option. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, oh, goodness. Okay, so, um, of course, dieting is actually a risk factor for developing an eating disorder. Um, there's a strong, there is strong evidence that many of the symptoms of anorexia are actually symptoms of starvation, of course. Um I mean, that makes sense. I don't think we need to say strong evidence. I think we can say that a lot of the symptoms of anorexia are symptoms of starvation. Um, Like, your muscles start to break down and stuff because your body is consuming muscle instead of fat, Mm -hmm. which then puts your heart in jeopardy, which is really, really bad. We just watched a Survivor show the other day. Uh, So, now I'm an expert. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So... Starvation, of course, affects the brain and influences mood changes, rigidity in thinking, anxiety, and reduction in appetite. So starvation and weight loss may change the way the brain works in vulnerable individuals, which is kind of insane to think about. Yeah. Um, and then it, it may perpetuate restrictive eating behaviors like and make it difficult to return to normal eating habits. So your brain goes into starvation mode and it says, well, you can survive on this amount. Like, you can eat this little bit of, like, I don't know, it's it's almost like if you're going into this mode, you're in survivor mode, and it's like, okay, I've got this pack of crackers, I, this is how long you could make this last, so it actually changes the way you're, com- completely changes the way you're thinking. I would say, like, kind of similar to when I was in college and super fucking poor, and I was like, okay, I can spend $2 on this pack of crazy bread from Little Caesars, or however much it is, and I can make that last for how many days? Yeah. And then my roommate ate them. And so, I know exactly which roommate it was. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to say who. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was great. Um, don't eat your roommate's leftovers. That's fucking weird. Um, Okay. <laughs> And it's and then, of rude. Course, genetics. It is. It's so rude. Um, especially when you know that your roommate is super fucking poor. <laughs> um, okay, so changes in specific genes may put certain people at higher risk of anorexia. Um, those with first de- with a first degree relative, for example, um, a parent, a sibling, or a child who had the disorder have a much higher risk of anxiety of anorexia. Yeah. Um 
probably because you're also more predisposed to the other um to the other the other underlying causes um do, 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 do. let's see okay so here's some of the things that it goes hand in hand with um so in addition to the host of other physical complications mm-hmm. um people with anorexia commonly have other mental disorders as well which is what then leads to the eating disorder that's what we talked about before is that this is like the other end of an untreated mental health issue this is what it can manifest itself as yeah so um this is one of many many forks that your brain can take um so of course they can include depression anxiety and other mood disorders personality disorders obsessive compulsive disorder um alcohol and substance abuse self-injury suicidal thoughts and suicide attempts which again i just see eating disorders as an extreme form of self of of self-harm honestly Mm -hmm. um that's just my opinion i am not a psychiatrist if i am wrong correct me please um But that's just my that's just my own experience, my own my own opinion from my own experience. Um, so sadly, there's no guaranteed way to prevent it. Um, the only really the only way to do it is if you've got the low self esteem, you're starting to see yourself as fat when you're, you know, clearly not, and you're at an actual healthy weight. I mean, it's important to identify those in yourself, and it's important to identify them in your friends and be like, listen, I'm worried about you. I think you need to get some help. That's really the only way that you can prevent it. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, It's not like we can just take a pill and be fine. I (laughs) wish that we could. That would be amazing. But really, it's about being self-aware enough to get help before it gets to this point. Yeah. Because it's a lot harder to go back once you've been in the thick of it, for sure. Um, so that was sufficiently depressing. And <laughs> uh, sorry, there's not really a lot of jokes I can make about this because this is not one that we've had. No. Um, I've never not once not wanted to just eat everything in my house Mm -hmm. um but still anyway um still we thought it was important to make sure we touched on we're gonna have more of these kinds of episodes because it's important to bring awareness to these kinds of things um and you should also know that you're not alone and anorexia is very very treatable there's so many resources out there um and it's also important to know that you are beautiful and as thin as you are, that's not going to make the other issues go away. Yeah. So it's important to make sure you get help so that you can enjoy a delicious slice of avocado and, you know, the other delights of life like sushi and, (laughs) and, and soup. And you're, you're hurting yourself to, to no end there it's it's it, it's not gonna make things better so it's definitely the only way to make things better is to get help so definitely um we're gonna post some resources and that's all i can say to really <laughs> 
close up. You um, did a good Kate's job gonna with tell it. Some, <laughs> well, thank you. I'm sorry. I feel like I fumbled through this whole thing just like I did last week. No, it's okay. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm it's not just, very reactive. I'm in a lot no, of pain. No, it's okay. <laughs> Kay's in a lot of pain right now, you guys. I was like, you're giving me nothing here, Kay. You're literally just saying, yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I know, honey. <laughs> I know you're in a lot of pain. Kay's getting her tooth fixed tomorrow, so next week we should be back. Yeah. We should be back on track. Next week I can um, fucking drink. Yes. <laughs> I really thought about getting a margarita tonight, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I don't even feel no, like drinking. You don't need to. <laughs> no, you're t- you're in pain, honey. Uh, yeah. <coughs> All right, let's take a quick break. Okay. And we're back. We are back. To the saddest episode we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's way up there. Um, yep. So I found a really great article from BuzzFeed. Um, okay. And it's by... It sounds great. <laughs> um, it's by... You're like, I found a great article. <laughs> I did. Uh, <laughs> it's by Caroline Rothstein. Uh, It was published in 2015, so it's been a little while, but it's still relevant. Um, Stories are stories. Yeah. Yeah. And these are 17 stories of eating disorder survival. And, of course, we're not going to do all of them. I just, I went through and I found some, all the ones that I picked are about anorexia, nervosa. And um, I've got a couple of guys in there that struggled with it, as well as some people of color. Um because we tend to not think about people who are not young white women struggling with this. And True. It affects True. everybody. So, um, absolutely. The quote uh, that she starts off with it comes from one of the stories that I tell in a little bit. But the quality of the life that I live is more important than how I look in the mirror. And I'm going to read her right. little introduction because. I love it. And she did a great job with it. So, eating disorder recovery is not easily definable. Recovery and survival from any trauma, mental illness, addiction, or disembodiment of self looks and and feels different to and for everyone. One thing is certain. Eating disorders do not discriminate. And all too often, they are neither obvious nor visible in presentation. All too often, they are stigmatized or silenced altogether. As a writer, performer, and body empowerment advocate, I have spent much of my life sharing my eating disorder survival story. And still, it feels impossible to perfectly articulate the deadly mental illness that is an eating disorder, as the journey of survival is uniquely personal. We heard from a diverse array of individuals worldwide who have experienced various eating disorders and experiences with body image, who described their survival in a myriad of ways. Here are some of the many stories we received. Okay. Um, Alrighty. As a 12-year-old with full-blown anorexia, I was involuntarily institutionalized after having an eating disorder-induced seizure. The institution was... Whoa! Yeah. The institution was not equipped to deal with eating disorders, and their only plan of action was to watch me eat shower, and sleep to ensure I didn't throw up, exercise, or throw my food away. I was treated less as... Wow, so that's not great. Nope. 
<laughs> That's not how it should be at all. <laughs> nope. We're starting in a pretty dark place. Yeah. Um. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, isn't this fun? Aren't we having uh-huh. a great time? We're having a great time. Everyone has turned this off. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, Lord. Um, I was treated less as a medical patient and more like a criminal, unable to privately mourn the loss of my innocence in adolescence. Honey. This was my first insight into how our healthcare system is unprepared to treat eating disorder survivors, a travesty compounded by society's rigid physical ideals for women. Survivors could... best be served by the development of new treatment options targeted at modifying harmful behaviors and by eroding patriarchal visions of the female body. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly, Dr. Phil. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Instead, we are treated like social outliers who are shamed and told we have taken things too far. Denying the existence of sexism is a historically convenient method of the ignorant, and to tell an eating disorder survivor that our plight is of self-creation is to validate the disproportionate and unrealistic physical expectations for women that have permeated every aspect of society. Absolutely. And I just want to say real fast, uh, just quick little tangent here. Mm-hmm. Um Someone that we know posted something very upsetting on Facebook not too long ago about the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. that was something to the effect of how can a group of people, how can we have Black History Month and Martin Luther King Day and blah, 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 and and they still call everyone racist. And I just wanted, I I didn't do it. I I didn't take the bait because you can't educate someone who's that ignorant. Um it's not worth your time, but it has burrowed in my head, and I had to, I let it burrow in there, but I wanted to respond with the same way that we can have um, International Women's Day and Breast Cancer Awareness Month and still be living in a systemic society of sexism. Yeah. That's how. <laughs> I'm not saying everyone is sexist. We're saying the system is sexist, just like how people of color are saying the system is racist. Yeah. And stacked against us. Only a straight white man would post something like that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) One who has never been oppressed. Yeah. Um, I will never forget the first time I saw my own reflection without wanting to see less of it. It took years for me to regain control of my life and body, both of which deserved respect and love after having spent years as a battleground. Sharing my story was the first step toward a total recovery and remains my personal form of resistance. By speaking out, we can reduce the shame and stigma associated with eating disorders and give courage to millions of survivors. Absolutely. And that was by... That's why we're talking about it. (laughs) Yes. And that was by <laughs> Jacqueline Munson. Some of them gave their full name. Some of them didn't. So um, I wanted to go ahead and give it if they gave it. Um, yeah. All right. But that's 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 fully true. Like this, that's why we're doing this. We know that this isn't a very funny episode, but mm-hmm. it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. And that's like the purpose of our podcast. Yeah. Is to, <laughs> to talk about things that nobody wants to talk about. So. Um, 
It's true. Like, that's part of why so many people don't get treatment with this disorder. Like I said earlier in my segment, like, there's so much shame around it that people don't go get help. And like she said, she was involuntarily um, institutionalized because she was a minor and she had, like, a medical issue. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's just, it's really upsetting. And so we need people to feel safe. And the only way that we normalize it and make pe- help people feel safe is by talking about it. Is to talk about it. Yeah. What are you doing? Stop that. No. I don't know. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening to you and being respectful. <laughs> I thank you. I appreciate it. My dog is not. Um, okay. My dog is pouting. <laughs> Poor baby. I'm so sorry, baby. It had to come off, honey. Sit down. Sit down. You'll feel better in a couple days. Okay. My story begins at age four. I was extremely underweight for my height and age. However, my grandmother told me I had arms like ham and was getting chubby. Um, oh my god, what? Let's normalize telling your grandmother to fuck off. Yeah, let's um, do that. I spent my entire... <laughs> I'm on board with that movement. <laughs> I spent my entire childhood surrounded by weight stigma. Whether it was from my grandmother constantly me telling... Yeah, me too. Whether it was from my grandmother constantly telling me to go on a diet or comparing my own body to my friends's. Ugh. At 12, I went on what I described as a very strict diet. I had no clue what anorexia was. I thought it was when someone literally never ate anything due to some underlying emotional problem. When, in reality, according to my personal understanding and experience, it's a disease that manifests in the mind. An utter fear of weight mm-hmm. gain. It does not ha- Absolutely. It does not have a specific physical appearance it does not pick particular races or genders it just is Mm -hmm. my quote-unquote diet left me with a failing liver a problematic heart hair loss and osteopenia i went into treatment Mm -hmm. osteopenia i think is bone density yeah that sounds right but shit liver a failing liver like that you that's a death sentence yeah if you don't get that under control exactly um i went into treatment for anorexia and fully came to terms with my disease and began to believe that i did not choose this anorexia was like a light switch that lived inside my brain turned off for most of my life the stigma surrounding my weight is what turned it on For me, I will never turn my anorexia off. It's always going to be a struggle. I can, however, dim the lights. Now, at 16, I remain recovered without relapse. Although every day I see girls in magazines and in person with tiny waists, I am fighting. I am alive. I almost lost my life, and my life is much more important than my weight. Someday, I think I will 100% believe I am beautiful, and I will do that on my own terms, without the help of a boy or Instagram likes. Until then, I remain a 16-year-old girl still surrounded by weight stigma, and slowly but surely learning to be comfortable with myself. And that was by Meg Masseron. Nice. 
That's important to know, too, because, like, you're always an anorexic. It's like you're always always being an addict. Yeah. Like, this is who I am. I'm, re- I'm in recovery. I'm in remission. But I will always have this issue. And it's about learning to cope and learning tools to move to move past it yeah and stay healthy yeah my eating disorder was a unicorn in shape i was never terrified of certain foods i never truly thought i was fat while i didn't use my mathematically inclined mind to count calories i used it to balance an equation in my head an equation of worth growing up food was taken away when i was bad in my mind i equated it to not being worth food at all I took that Oh shit. Mm-hmm. I took that mindset to college with a bit of freedom, resulting in a streak of binging. Each episode left me with this feeling of worthlessness. One might say it contributed to my leaving college after a violent sexual assault campus police refused to do anything about um See, there's the trigger. Mm-hmm. Which left me feeling even more worthless. Wow, so why should we take sexual assault seriously? interesting (laughs) why do people need to be heard and believed because of this because it can ruin your entire fucking life ugh um sometimes law enforcement disgusts me yeah baby you've gotta lay down and you cannot lay on your tail hi honey I know But I was worth the physical demands of the military. I was worth the possibility of dying. During my time in the Air Force, I was told repeatedly that I was nothing. Things I recited to myself for years were now coming out of the lips of those in charge of me. If there was... Oh my gosh. If there was any doubt that I didn't deserve to be alive, let alone eat, it was eradicated. Ultimately, I was kicked out for having an eating disorder, deemed unable to deploy and unfit for service. As a parting gift, the military paid for my first treatment stint. Well, that's good, at least. A couple of years passed before I needed treatment again, this time due to a severe heart problem from malnourishment. I have never been so humbled and humiliated as those days I had to go into work with a feeding tube. I think I needed that. Oh, no. I think I needed that. I couldn't hide the fact that I had an eating disorder by lying or saying I had a fast metabolism. I had something sticking out of my nose that couldn't be ignored. After six months in treatment and the best psychiatrist I have ever had, I've been weight restored and behavior free for two years. I have found balance. I have found that you assign your own worth. By assigning your own worth, you afford and deny yourself opportunities. So set that worth high. Happiness is not a destination, it's moments. You won't get moments of happiness if you feel worthless, because you won't believe you deserve them. I want you to know, you deserve them. Oh. And that was from KF. Yes, you do. We all deserve them. Yes. Life is not about being happy all the time, but you do need to be able to feel happy and find joy in the small moments. Yes. <coughs> um, what did I say? I feel like I saw something on that the other day. It was like, life is not about being happy all the time, no matter what the motivational quotes on Pinterest say or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> 
I love it. And I was like, ooh, I need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> All right. It's literally dancing in the rain. Uh, okay. Growing up in a Jamaican-American household, food was an integral part of my childhood. I remember my grandmother preparing fried dumplings and plantains, church hymns playing in the mm. background. Food was our greatest treasure. Food brought the family together. Food celebrated new beginnings and eased the wounds of life's untimely endings. When I was eight, I was diagnosed with dermatomyositis, which is a mouthful, Um, a muscle Uh disease that (laughs) caused me to spend most of my childhood in hospital rooms and wheelchairs, slowly gaining weight while swallowing prednisone hidden inside mint chocolate. Yeah, I can't speak. It's okay. Hidden inside <laughs> mint chocolate chip ice cream. Star, you are fine. Stop. Oh, puppy. Mine's getting restless, too. Yeah. She's not loving this. Um, okay. My mom made it her duty to help me lose the weight through fad dieting. I've tried every single one. In fairness, my mother did the best she could. As a single mom, she felt the camaraderie of these shared diets brought us closer together. However, yeah. as an adult, I began to experience, experience a paralyzing fear of food. My I'll start a new diet on Monday mindset lasted for 16 years as I compulsively ate and deprived my body. I was worried that I was not attractive enough. So obsessed and afraid no one would hire me as an actor if I didn't win the battle with the numbers on the scale. In February 2011, I attempted suicide and landed in the hospital for multiple days. We do extreme things to our bodies because of those numbers. Numbers that cannot talk with us or love us. On March 20th, 2014, I threw my scale in the trash. And to ensure I wouldn't rescue it, I threw chicken stock on it. Nice. (laughs) There you go. Right. Get it, girl. (laughs) I've had to practice looking in the mirror and telling myself I am beautiful. I've had to stop judging my belly, stop starving myself, stop getting on the scale and staring at those numbers. It took me years to find the courage to stop pressuring my body. Food is still an integral part of my life, and I still struggle to this day after living a life of quick fixes. But... I have come to the realization that my life is more important than those numbers on the scale and that the quality of my life, the quality of the life I live is more important than how I look in the mirror. Yes. And that was by... Yes, preach. (laughs) And that was by Danielle Pinnock. That's something that Georgia talked about on an episode of MFM before where she was like, you know what, I was sitting there and a fan had taken a picture of me on stage and and posted it. And it was from the audience, so it was like an up shot, kind of. And she was like, all I could see was, all I was looking at was how fat my gut looked and stuff, instead of looking at how much, at my face and how much fun, like how much joy was on my face. And she was like, you know what, I made the decision that I don't care. Like, she's like, I would rather experience all the countries we go to and all the states that we go to through food and how delicious everything is and have a little bit of a gut and enjoy myself than obsess over something like that. Oh, I think I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. And I was like, yes, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Okay, so this next one. 
That's can be a slip, slippery slope, though. It, it can <laughs> so be. So you gotta be careful. <laughs> uh, this this next one is by a male. Uh, these these last two are by men, actually. Okay. And I thought that they were a really interesting perspective. So, um, yeah. Okay. If the hardest yeah, is gonna be different, I'm excited. Yeah. If the hardest part is recognizing you have a problem. Exercise addiction is the hardest problem to recognize. Only when oh, mind is, wow. mm-hmm, only when mind descended into an eating disorder did I become fully aware of the power and control this condition had over my life and me. We are bombarded with health and fitness in the media to such an extent that even the most intense devoted training programs seem acceptable and normal. Even whilst running and weightlifting far more than any man ever should, it wasn't until my weight started to dip alarmingly that anyone around me recognized I had a dual battle on my hands. Exercise addiction and anorexia. See, I'm going to go ahead and say exercise addiction and work addiction are the two things that are, like, celebrated. Oh, yeah. In our country. And, And they're both incredibly detrimental. Yeah. They are. I mean, it. Like when people say, oh, well, I'll never take a vacation. I've got a pool and I'll never get in my pool. I'm sorry, what? Why are we clapping for that? Yeah. Fucking take care of yourself. What's the matter with you? Spend time with your family. (laughs) Stop that. Spoken like a true separator, but still. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for a long time, I put my worth in my work. So if I wasn't doing well at work, I didn't feel like I deserved to be a person sometimes. Me too. Me too. And that is part that of why I had to step that, away. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that is something that Armchair Expert has actually helped me with a lot because you keep hearing it over and over and over again that that's not the answer. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if the the sooner that we all learn learn what it's taken these people other people 40 years to learn (laughs) I think the happier we'll be so I mean I felt deep shame Mm -hmm. surrounding my career until I realized that my family does not care they like they love me no matter what so like you know and and that's really all that mattered my friends don't give a shit you know yeah I really thought everyone was judging me and looking down on me because I wasn't doing exactly what I majored in but who is nowadays yeah you know I mean, so it's it's been really hard. I'm getting a cre- a degree in creative writing, and I'm purely doing that for myself. <laughs> like I'm not doing it that's to get a job with it. You. Yeah, I'm like I'm probably gonna go into marketing because that's what most of us do. But <sighs> so what? Oh my <laughs> goodness! I apologize. I just yawned. Yuck! <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've had a really long day, you guys. It's okay. I'm almost oh. done. Um, I'm not at all bored. Like, okay. you're doing an amazing job. Okay, thank you. Just so you know, <laughs> that's purely because I've been up since the crack of dawn. <laughs> and I have, and I'm out of coffee. I only have decaf. Oh. I'm out of my half-calf pods. So. <laughs> so here, here we are. <laughs> Oh, puppy. No, mommy, I might die. She might. I'll give her something to cry about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I love her. I would never. 
I know. I'm just kidding. I know you're kidding. Everyone knows you're kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My story with this battle began with a lifelong fight against anxiety and depression. As someone who, excuse the pun, tends to run away from his problems, jogging in the gym became a sanctuary away from the intrusive thoughts, anxieties, and low moods. It was my buffer against the world. Also, exercise, like, gives you an insane endorphin rush, so... Yeah. (laughs) It does. Totally understandable that it's addictive. (laughs) As the world became a scarier place, I felt the need to continually strengthen that buffer. No doctor or psychologist would explicitly tell me to stop exercising so much. They were conditioned to believe in the ample mental health benefits of it, even at my extreme end. By the time I decided I needed to take time off, my body was broken. I cried as I ran, hating myself for putting my body through hell. Unfortunately, that's when the eating disorder took over. If I wasn't exercising, I wasn't allowed to eat. I'd never experienced... Oh, no. mm -hmm. I'd never experienced such a strong force in my life, and I gave into it, allowing it to control everything I did, thought, and said. My life turned around when I was threatened multiple times with inpatient treatment. However, my recovery has been hard fought. I never lost that eating disorder voice, and it still screams to this day. What has helped most is recognizing life is made up of an infinite number of choices, whether we make them consciously or subconsciously. Eating is one such choice. By recognizing I had control over these choices, I was able to modify my eating and behaviors around exercise so I regained control of my body and life. Every meal, I choose to eat and eat well. If I have to do this for the rest of my life, so be it. Recovery is not an easy path, but it is the right one and the one that takes the most strength to walk down. Yeah. And there's something to be said for, like, just using a little bit of intention. Yeah. Just a little bit of intention when when you when you eat. Um, there's a difference. But I also want to say that we're not at all shitting on dieting. Like, there are some that are very effective, and a lot of people have had a lot of success with them. Mm-hmm. But when you are also predisposed to, you know to extremes like this then you can it can it can be dangerous and very triggering yeah um for some people so um there's a lot of really good ones um i've done the cooking light diet it's fantastic i'm actually um following it kind of right now um because it is carb light um and protein heavy and low on sugar and things like that so that's it's helping me with my gestational diabetes mm-hmm. and um so i just like eat more like i make I, I pull the recipes and I just, like, eat an extra serving because I need a little extra calories because I'm growing a human. Mm-hmm. But um, then I can eat well and enjoy food. Like, that um, that chicken salad that you love so much <laughs> is from that Cooking Light diet yeah. plan. Um, it's, it's just, you know, it's about making choices and using Greek yogurt and a little bit of mayonnaise instead of just, like, <laughs> drenching chicken and mayonnaise and throwing it... <laughs> down your gullet you know it's it's just about making a little bit better of a choice and just a little bit more intention can go a long way yeah as far as making you feel better because when you feel better but instead of you know then just depriving and depriving and depriving and then running off and getting a big mac and then you feel like shit like and then you (laughs) punish yourself you know so it's 
there's there's definitely something to be said for the good ones that are out there, but also beware of anything that seems really extreme, like the shit where you have to, like, you know, eat, what is it, lemon juice, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper or whatever for <laughs> yeah. a week. <laughs> whatever Kelly does on the weight loss episodes of The Office. <laughs> yeah. She, like, eats a tapeworm and all that shit. <laughs> Not good. <coughs> I love that part, though, where she's just, like, she's got, like, those horrible dark circles under her eyes, and she's like, yeah, I just ordered some bathing suits, size two, so I'm gonna look amazing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I felt that. Um, yeah. But I've also, like, I've had to diet a lot of my life, um, and I've had a lot of success with Weight Watchers while I was on it. But mm-hmm. you did. You lost a lot of weight. You looked great. Yeah. It taught you some good habits, I think, didn't it? Yeah. I don't look great now. <laughs> oh, honey. Um, but I am. I'm trying Noom now, and I'm actually waiting right. on a DNA test result. Um, to kind of figure out the best type of diet. For me, when I'm more predisposed to, like, feeling better when I eat, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I've got that coming in, and I've got, like, I do have a workout guide, but even, like, all the lessons that I'm doing every day are, like, we don't want you to focus too much on the working out. We just want you to focus on the eating better and eating with more intention and, like... Yeah. Um... And not talking to yourself negatively. That's mm-hmm. the good thing about Noom is that it's psychological. They do not pay us. I wish that they did. But, like, they, they, there's a psychological element. So, it's, like, to get rid of that negative self-talk instead of beating yourself up when you when you have a mess up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And even calling it a mess up isn't, isn't right. Yeah. Honestly. It's... <laughs> Because we get to indulge. Milkshakes are delicious, Mm -hmm. but we can't have a milkshake every day. No. So it's, yeah. So it's about not beating yourself up. Tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to start off on the right foot tomorrow, you know, and not killing yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) over. Do not lick yourself, Hamlet. (laughs) Good boy. I saw you. And like, I've been. I've been letting myself indulge a little bit this week because I can't chew anything. So I've been well, having... Well, yeah, you get to. <laughs> you get to eat pudding. Yeah. <laughs> I've had pudding. I've had <coughs> pasta and mashed potatoes. And that's been about all I can fucking handle. Um, Honey. I'm actually getting quite sick of it. So <laughs> if tomorrow could yeah. come a little faster... <laughs> um <laughs> Tomorrow at 3.30. That's what I keep telling myself. Woo! Um, oh, that's late. It's, oh, that sucks. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Oh. Honey child. Yeah. And they played a main... Well, yeah, once your yeah. teeth feel a little bit better and you can sleep again. <laughs> yeah. Then I won't worry about eating correctly. <laughs> then you can worry about eating. Yes. <laughs> That I can oh, actually, honey. I actually, I bought, um, because I really like bell peppers, I bought this mix mm-hmm. that, um, is like all the different types of bell peppers and onions, and I bought, Ooh. um, I bought that frozen, 
and I bought some frozen mushrooms so I can just throw those in a pan. There you go. And like eat on them for a, more than just one or two days and keeping them in the fridge. That's because awesome. I really like fresh ones. I love summer vegetables and stuff, but I don't. It's not that I don't have the you time can't get now. Them in quick enough. Yeah. And I just. My depression makes it really, yeah, my depression makes it really hard to make myself get up and go, okay, we're going to cut all of this now and then take the time to cook it. (laughs) Exactly. And so I'm just doing it the easy way right now, just so that I can start eating better and start feeling better. Yes. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, so. I actually had to make myself do that today. I had to make my, I was like, oh, I was going to have. I was going to have uh, squash and zucchini with my salmon. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I'm so hungry. Do I really want to take the time to do that? And then I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it took me like 10 minutes. It didn't even take that long. So I kind of proved myself. <laughs> and another thing. Proved that to myself. Another thing I'm trying to do is cut down on all the processed foods that I eat. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm starting to like make my own oatmeal. When I get up in the mornings and I'm not in extreme pain and having to sleep through it. Um, but, mm-hmm. like, I, like, I'll use, like, real peanut butter, like, just a little bit. And then fresh fruits and oatmeal that I've, like, made on the stove. Um, nice. Wasn't so great the first time I tried it. We're going to try it again. <laughs> um, but, but I'm learning. So, I had oatmeal for lunch. Oh. I love oatmeal. It's just, it's so easy. I do too. And it's a comfort food. Yeah. And mom and I have been making these really great little protein bites. So it's sweet, but like they're, they're good for you. And like, we'll do them, mm-hmm. we'll eat them before a workout or like as a quick breakfast. And then like eating more eggs, forcing myself to eat more eggs. I found a way that I like to eat them. So um, yeah, that's good. I was like, you shouldn't force yourself, Jesus. But <laughs> no, but I need to. And then, like, I've also got some beans out there that I need to make. And like, it's just eating better, like making better yeah, choices. Just a little more intention. Um, the thing that I've been learning with this whole thing, which thankfully I like whole wheat stuff. Um, but just like white bread, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Get it out. Yeah, go with the whole wheat. I've started get 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 you some nuts in there, you know. <laughs> get you some seeds. I really just mm. don't like the whole wheat stuff. So like I um I have See, that's quit. what I grew up on. We didn't have white bread in the house. So, yeah. I I have pretty much quit eating uh sandwiches that have bread on them. I've been like doing unwiches, so like lettuce instead of bread. Um, and I and I like that a lot more. You could do wraps too, though. Yeah, yeah. Like I also I do like wraps. Uh, sometimes we'll um, get uh, wraps from an Italian deli that we have in town, and I really like the spinach wraps that they have. And they've got mm. this amazing like club sandwich that has chicken ranch on it, which totally right, defeats the point hungry. but like it's really good <laughs> and it, I, I don't know I just feel better when I eat like that so yeah definitely me too um and I and I'm really not one for sandwiches anyway so it's not like oh well there you go but like 
mom and I have been I eating. I love a sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> mom and I have been eating a lot of Jimmy John's lately. So I've been proud of myself oh, for picking the unwitch instead of the French bread. Yes. Even though it's really good. Yeah, I've been getting the nine grain sliced stuff. Mm-hmm. That's delicious. Um, but anyway, one but more story. I'm Sorry. gonna make you're gonna make myself hungry. <laughs> oh, you're not done. No. Okay, you're just sitting here making me hungry. <laughs> well, we got talking about diets and stuff. Um, I know. But that last story was by. I thought you're finished. I'm sorry. Okay. I wouldn't have derailed you there. <laughs> that last story was by Ben Carter, and this last one is okay. um, a male person of color. Um, okay. The hardest part about having an eating disorder was not knowing I had one. As a man and a person of color, I never had the space to be vulnerable and acknowledge my problem. The first thing you think with eating disorders is white woman with body image issues. As a late teen, all I saw were Cosmo covers outside of my community and friends experiencing this issue. I struggled with eating, thinking I'm not bad. I'm just skipping breakfast and maybe lunch. Plus, minority communities weren't pushing kale chips, affordable vitamins, and chia seed drinks. I grew up with quarter water Mm. juices, microwavable chicken nuggets, and mom's clean-your-plate mantra with her heavy-handed servings and large decorative plates. I was chubby in childhood, the side effects of asthma medicines that lasted well after I grew out of severe asthma. My mom called me husky, just so I wouldn't think I was fat. I wanted to be normal, but nothing about looking in the mirror and suffering from depression is normal. I only now realized what I was in. I only now realized I was in denial as I started taking it out of my body from 17 to 22. College didn't help, but somehow I took control. I did that alone and I'm lucky. I wish we privileged the safety and masculinity to speak about this stuff, especially in communities of color and neighborhoods where healthy diets are a catch-22. It's in no way a privilege to have gone through this as a man. My masculinity is and was constantly challenged by other men to have more bravado or what, or by what women want or expect a man to be. If anything, being a black man makes the isolation worse. It creates a silence. Did you say he was black? Mm-hmm. It, hey. Mm-hmm. You know what? What? That totally makes sense because... <laughs> The food, like, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. The the food in that community is celebrated everywhere yeah. as amazing, but also not healthy <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. Oh, man. Yeah. Now I'm hungry. Now I want biscuits. Mm-hmm. And I can't have biscuits. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> um, It's okay. It's not your fault. Uh, okay it creates the silence that many men haven't been able to emotionally maneuver manhood is often toted as something you need to prove so men who have felt denied an emotional vulnerability try to prove that they are actually hurting perhaps masked by projecting drugs or drinking and being miserably violent to themselves and others people think it's failing to achieve beach body that affects men in this way but many roads to depression are brushed off be a man, be silent. I still suffer from being through all that in silence. Being intentional on not eating alone or rewarding myself with particular types of food is how I started to challenge feeling alone in the mental fight. I realized the disorder went hand in hand with other issues. 
Ultimately, feeling comfortable with giving my all to fight the habits and healthily respond to obstacles, even something as simple as a meditating prayer, is what brought me through. And that was by D.K. Wright. Wow, that's really good. Yeah. So I just thought those were really good survivor stories and really powerful and important to hear. Yeah, I agree. Those were amazing. Yeah. Good job. Thanks. And there wow. are, there are a ton of others. So I'll post the link to that in the description if you want to read more. Because there are other types of eating disorders that are discussed. Um, as well mm-hmm. as others about anorexia. And uh, if you want to learn more, you can always read more. So, Yeah. Uh, we're definitely going to do more episodes on these. So you don't yeah. feel like you have to educate yourself. No. But also... <laughs> You probably should, because we're not good at it, but it's okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> we do what we can. All right. <laughs> we're just starting the conversation, so. All right, you ready for a uh, for a game? Yeah. All right, I think it's your turn. It is mine. So, um, this is our game uh, by Drunk Snunder Stupid called If You Had To. Um, it's Kay's turn to go first, so... If you had to, would you be haunted by a life-sized Furby? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, or <laughs> or <laughs> reply to questions using only Bible scriptures. <laughs> I choose that one. I pick that one. <laughs> yeah, I pick that one. Fuck Furbies. Yes. They're the devil incarnate. I know enough scripture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could probably do that. Yeah. I could just look at someone and s- someone asks you a question and you just say, Jesus wept. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a stupid question. <laughs> if someone ever yes. asks me a stupid question, I'm responding <laughs> with that verse. Yes, that's the best one. <laughs> it's the most versatile. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, if you're still listening. Um, (laughs) We know that this was a really heavy episode. We've had some really fun ones lately, but we definitely needed to get back to a few serious ones here and there. Um, What are we doing next week? Uh, Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Let me look. That's a good question. I think it's going to be a little lighter next week. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is it not? Is it not? Is it terrible? No. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Why did you do that? uh, The next one is listening and supporting. It's a part of a series that we've got going on. And then we've got insecurity coming up after that. Okay, so it's going to be a little heavy. But um, (laughs) the next ones will be more fun. I promise. (laughs) But we've had some lighter episodes lately, so we needed to get back to a few serious topics. But um. Mm Anyway, we love you guys so much. We really hope you're being safe. Um, Part of my husband's family just found out that they all have COVID. They live down in Tennessee. Um, His aunt came down to visit her sister, and she happens to be a doctor, and we think that she (sighs) transmitted it to her sister her sister's husband and her their father so josh's grandpa has covid now um it's now on our doorstep you guys like because people are not are people are being careless not that pam was not not that josh's aunt was being careless but it's just we've all got to wear masks we've all got to take the extra steps and the extra precautions to keep each other safe so um 
again, we're pre-recording this, so you're not going to hear this till the end of July, mm-hmm. but it is um, definitely the 9th of July right now when I'm when we're recording this, so things might be way worse, they might be way better, we don't know, but please stay safe and remember... You are not a monster. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Cricket. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things cricket, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at TalkCricket. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.